Um, it's great to uh, be part of a family uh, that wants to encourage. And um, I was at an event last night um, with a couple of people from Belgium. Uh, very welcome. Um, and there was about 800 people uh, just worshipping the Lord together. And, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that there is a sound from heaven that is changing the atmosphere. And as I walked into this building today, I believe that God is going to change the atmosphere in this place. But also what God is saying is that he wants to change the atmosphere to a godly one where you are. Whether you are in university, whether you're in school, whether you're in a bookshop, um, whether you're, you know, in the streets with Church Without Walls, God is wanting to change the environment where you go into. And, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that this is a year where God is going to have some serious breakthroughs in different situations and circumstances. For many a, a year, we may have been praying for people who are our family members who have yet to say yes to Jesus. I believe that today or this year is going to be part of a breaking through into people's lives. Why? Because I believe God is saying these things. Yes. I, I I've, uh, go around. Sometimes, uh, you know, I have the privilege of ministering in other places and I hear different things from other ministers who are praying and hearing God the same, at the same time. And everybody is getting a sense that God is about to do something fresh, something new, that he's about to break through into our lives in a particular way, break through into the church. Many of you know that I have been in Revelation 2 and 3 for quite some time because I believe that the, 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 the letters to the church are so relevant today. I, I believe that the church, in those seven letters that John wrote down, they're still so important for us to understand that we are living in a day where we need to take heed of what those say. The first, obviously the first letter was to do with, not just about the lukewarm is coming after, but you've forsaken your first love. You know, the church, I believe God is calling back us as part of the church, back to a place where we place him back into that first position in our lives. First love. Because what's happened is that, you know, if you look at the sequence of those churches, what happens is that you forsake your first love and then what happens into the second church, they begin to heed the false teaching that is going on um, in the, the, that particular era of time. But I can believe that, you know, you can talk about 21st century and the different teachings that are coming that are trying to take us away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, this is what happens in the church. It, it again talks about, guys, wake up to what is happening around us. Wake up to the fact that the enemy is out there to kill, steal and destroy. Wake up, guys, because there's an unfinished work that I, in my church, want to do. And then it comes into a, 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 a Jezebel spirit coming to bring something of division in church and again we can see that 
with so many different churches around in this country and other countries that grow and then divide, grow, divide, grow, divide because of uh, in something coming in which is of a Jezebel spirit. Then again, it calls about being lukewarm. Well, God wants his church to be hot. He doesn't want us to be in that lukewarm state. And you see, it's at that point where God says, I stand at the door and knock. We quote that very, very often when we're talking about an evangelistic situation. But this actually comes in Revelation 3, where it's very clear that it's to the church. I'm standing. I'm standing at the door of the church. Because I want to come and break through into your lives and situations once again. I want to come and reveal myself in greater ways than we currently are seeing within the church. Now, I'm talking about Kingdom Faith London, but I'm also speaking because I believe this is about London. This is about our nation and actually the nations. I believe this is a prophetic word that God is wanting all the church to heed. Because he is about, I believe he's about to do something. He's about to usher in something fresh and something new for those who are listening and those who are seeing. That's why God talked to us, talked to me regarding about hypocrisy. From Matthew chapter 23 where he talks about, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees, the churchgoers. Saying that you have the right words, you have the right language But there's no reality, there's no substance to what you're preaching. You've got to practice what you preach, in other words. And Jesus was accusing the churchgoers, the church leaders, of saying the right things according to the Old Testament law, but not doing what it says. The heart of God. And all of these things begin to, for me... Come and say, God is wanting and is about to do something fresh in you. God is wanting to really break out, not just into a building, into a a group of people. Now, I believe that because I think, for me, it's first God. It's got to be God first. But then the reality of that actually has to then touch somebody else. It's got to touch lives in real ways. Helen is going to probably uh, do something on a a video next week. Um, There's a a particular clip that she's been um, really challenged with. And, you know, I want to encourage you, if you can, to come back next week to watch it. Because it will challenge us to our mindset of actually, what are we doing? What, What are we listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in these things? In Romans chapter 1, verse 16... It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This week, one of the things that God has been really challenging me with, over the last couple of days, God said to me, are 
Are you ashamed of my gospel? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And you immediately say, of course I'm not, Lord. I, I believe in the gospel. I, I love you, Jesus. And, and then you know that God's trying to get to you. If, if he repeats himself, he tries to, you know, he gets in there somewhere, doesn't he? I don't know about your relationship with God, but he has a way of making sure that we're listening to what he's saying. And he said that if you are ashamed of the, if you're not ashamed of the gospel, or if you are ashamed of the gospel, actually you're ashamed of Jesus, who is the gospel message. And God then just began to unfold different things in different situations to me, and in part was saying, if there have been, have there ever been any situations in my personal life where I've kept quiet? I've been silent when a conversation has been going on or I've squirmed in my seat when somebody else has come and said hello, um, uh, something about Jesus. I was actually on the train yesterday uh, going to um, the, the event in Hammer, Hammersmith and there was a, an older gentleman um, on the train and I, I hadn't heard one word or I hadn't heard anything come out of his mouth and he was sitting next to these two Chinese girls um, uh, and they were younger, they were teenagers. And this guy must have been in his 50s. And as he was getting off the train, he just said, turned around and said, Jesus loves you. And, you know, it, one, in one sense, it, it's a moment that you can squirm in. Because you could hear the, the reaction to that comment that several people heard, even though he was addressing it to those two girls. And it was just this question, am I, a, am I ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I ashamed of Jesus in every, any area of my life? We, we had communion today. Jesus, on the night he was crucified, took bread, or on the night he was betrayed, it sometimes says, doesn't it? I, I'm praying for myself here. I, I'm just letting you into my journey. I'm just talking to you about my journey at the moment because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want to betray Jesus in any way, shape or form because those 12 men around that table with Jesus on the night that he was crucified all would have said, of course, I'm not going to betray you. Obviously, in Judas's mind, he had already agreed to uh, 30 pieces of silver. That was the price that he paid for betrayal. But betrayal is not speaking up for Jesus when it's the right time or the right moment. Allowing conversations to go on were when Peter was questioned, oh, I don't know that. I, I, I'm not going to discuss that with you. That's a no-go area. Why? Because if it's in the gospel, then it needs to be talked about. It may not be something that you agree with in the, the Bible, but actually somebody's wrong and it's not God. 
And are we betraying the name of Jesus in any shape or form by not living according to the standard that he has set? Now those 11 disciples all one way or another betrayed Jesus on that night. Even though they knew and, and in their heart they didn't want to do that, but they did. When it came to that decision, they chose to make the wrong ones. Some ran away. They hid. Peter was there by the fire. At least he had the courage to go to the fire. But then obviously in that situation, when they, he was confronted with some, a question, he said, no, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Why am I saying these things? Because I believe that the love of God is so powerful today that he wants that to be known in a greater way than ever before. Our love for God, I believe, he, his desire, his longing, is for us to love him with a whole heart, our body, our soul, and our spirit man. In every area of our being, to love God. But then he wants us to love others with a passion. But it's got to be in alignment with what the word says. How he says it. With that heart that is open to reach out to others. Why? Because he wants us to be witnesses. Let's turn to 1 Peter, please. And Sue had this scripture. Um, in the prayer meeting before. For this, uh, verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 6. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to, not judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober mind. So that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. And then there was a scripture that um, I, I was going to quote Regarding um, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Again, ashamed is another word that God used. Oh, am I ashamed of the gospel? And my hand on my heart is no, I'm not. I believe in the gospel. But I want this to work out in reality. I don't want to just be using words because that's the right words to use in those situations or circumstances. I want this to be real because for me, that's what the world needs to see. If I'm going to be a witness, what am I a witness of? 
if I see a traffic accident, and I, when I was younger, um, I, I did, I saw, um, I was playing golf, and um, I saw a car that was coming down and it hit a curb and then actually went across. But I was an eyewitness to that particular accident. It wasn't hearsay. It was an eyewitness. Did you know that God wants you to be an eyewitness to the gospel message? He doesn't want you to get it third or fourth hand so that it just becomes hearsay to you. He wants it to be an eyewitness account. So, for instance, when you read the Bible every morning or every evening or whenever you read your, the Bible, then for me, we need to expect God to speak to us in that particular period of time so that we begin to hear what God says. When we hear what God says, then he will actually put some legs on that. There will be some actions that he will ask us to do because for me, being a witness is not passive. Being a witness is something active. And when God speaks to us, then there will be something that he will ask us to do practically in order for us to see the fulfilling of what he has communicated. And so therefore we begin to not just be a witness of what we hear, we begin to be a witness of what we see. So that when God asks us to pray for somebody with a headache, and that headache is gone, then we are witnesses of what we heard, we responded in faith, actions caused that headache to go, so therefore we're witnesses of what we have seen with our eyes and what we've heard with our ears. It's a first-hand account. God wants you and me to regularly have first-hand accounts of what God says to us and what he does through us. Because we are witnesses of the gospel. Now, this is why it all ties up, because I don't want to be a witness of something partial, part gospel. I I don't want to be a person whose example is only half of the gospel message, the one bits and pieces that I like, and the ones that I don't like, I'm going to change or adapt to something that I think is more suitable. I'm sorry you cannot do that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't make it fit into the 21st century mindset. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it says very clearly that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's not changed. He's not changed his mind about things. He's the same God as he always has been. And therefore we can't adopt something and we can't be a witness to something that is actually not listening, linked to the word of God. We are witnesses of, first-hand witnesses of what we hear and what we see. We don't compromise that message. We don't betray the true message of Jesus Christ in any aspect of our lives. That we're very real in those situations. We're true to 
what God is speaking to us through the word. His word. Because when you fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you fall in love with him, with a passion, with an open heart, asking God to come and fill you fully, then you want to love and you want to do what pleases the person that you love. You don't want to do anything that comes against the one that you love. You don't want to hurt the one that you love. You want to always live to please the one that you love. You want to act and respond in, to the person that you love. And you know sometimes if you are in a loving relationship, um, or, you know, a family member, father, mother, good friend, you know that you don't want anything and say anything or do anything that is going to upset them in whatever way. How much more the relationship with Jesus and you see, one of the things that I believe that needs to be restored to the church, and again, this is a message that you can hear around the world at this moment in time, and it's a return to the fear of the Lord. A realisation that God is the same God as he always has been. And because of that great love that God has for us, that amazing love, what he has done on that cross, he took every sin, our sin, upon that cross. He's forgiven you completely. He loved you so much that he called and chose you before the beginning of time to be one of his children. The greatness of our God, the, the, the amazing love that he has for you and for me is beyond measure. Yes, yeah, yeah. In our human nature, we only can understand that love to an nth degree where it's actually beyond measure. How wide, how deep, how wide is the love of God, as it says in the Corinthians. And that's exactly how amazing our God is. And you see, for me, I want to please this God who loves me in an incredible way. But within that, I really believe that God wants me to, to have a reverential fear. Lord, I, I really don't want to displease you. I, I don't want to live in a, a way that betrays the gospel message. I, I don't want to be critical of the word. I don't want to be doing things that are actually critical of others. You know, one of the things that we need to be praying for is people like Donald Trump. We need to be praying for Theresa May. We need to be praying for our opposition leaders, not criticizing them. Now, it may be that there's things that they do that we believe that there is other alternative ways of communicating or alternative um, things that they can do within our school system or our health service. But God has called us, biblically, to pray for our leaders. You see, it's, it's little things like this where God's sort of saying, actually, I want to fear God so much that I'm doing things that the Word's asking me to do and don't, I'm not... What's the word? Compromising. 
in any way, shape or form anything that it says in the word. I'm not tri trivialising anything. I'm not making it so small and insignificant that, oh, I don't have to do that. Actually, when I love God with all of my heart, like, I don't want to displease him. And therefore, there's a fear, a reverential fear. God, I, I want to be in this relationship. I, I don't want to be apart from you at any moment, any situation, any circumstance, whether I'm in a church, whether I'm working, or I'm out looking after the homeless. I don't want to displease you. I want to hear what you're saying so that I can respond and I can act according to what you're saying and doing. Because God wants me to be a witness of the true message of Jesus Christ, not a partial one. Because he wants us to be light. He wants to be the church. He wants a, a church on the hill that is seen. So many people have that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But we've got a big light. It's not a little light. It's not a little light. Look, who's with you? Who's in you? Who's in you? And, and we saw this little light. Who, who lives in you then? God Almighty lives in me because I've accepted him into my life. And I've allowed him to rule and reign in my whole life. And because of that, I really truly believe that I, it's a, God wants me to be a witness of that light and that greatness of his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his love. And actually warn people about heaven and hell. Warn people. Because lots of people out there don't know what the gospel message is anymore. You speak to teenagers and they know a little bit about, oh yeah, there's this bloke called Jesus. And some of them believe that he exists. Other people think he was a, 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 a fictitious figure. But at the end of the day, there's lots of people who need us and the rest of the church in this nation and in Belgium and you know wherever else we come from. God wants us to be witnesses, true witnesses of who he is. Not afraid of the world. Because we need to think eternal consequences, not just the natural. I'm going to live forever in spirit. In my body, I might live 60, 70, 80 years. I don't know. God alone knows the number of days of my life. God knows. But you see, if we begin to think eternal consequences, then we have a different mindset concerning what our status is on this earth. We begin to think, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because this is eternal. I'm going to live forever with you, Father. So what do you want me to do in this particular period of my life where I'm in this physical body that actually is going to turn to dust at some point in the future? Just I came, just I'm going to go. And that's the fact. So for me, living eternal consequences, we begin to have that reverential fear. Okay, God, I want to do it your way. I want to live in the way that you want me to live. I don't want to betray you in any situation or circumstance. I want to be a true witness of who you are in this environment, in my own personal environment. Because for me, again, this hypocrisy is not something that we put our display on on a Sunday 
and do nothing on Monday through Saturday. We are living the Christian life 24-7. We're not putting him on. It's not like turning the TV on and off with the remote control. We can't do that with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to see the fear of God coming back into the church so that we begin to be aware again of the eternal significance of your life, my life, and that of the church of Jesus Christ. Whether it's within four walls or whether it's out in the street, we have a significant role to play to be a witness, to be a light. To shine brightly, to shine brightly with the truth and not part truth. Not to betray the gospel message in any way, shape or form. Not to be ashamed of Jesus. And therefore when we have the opportunity that we don't cringe in the corner, but we have the boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus wherever he sends us to go to. Now, please, I'm not a person who wants to go and speak, shout in a train carriage, Jesus is Lord and you're going to hell or all of those things. It's not me. I'm not that type of person. But I am also a witness and I don't want to miss any opportunity God gives me to share the message of Christ. Again, I'm not a person who in a restaurant, when if we're having a meal, I'm not a person who's going to stand up on a chair and sort of say, everybody, we're going to say grace now. I'm not a person who's that, but I'm not going to be ashamed. And so therefore, we are going to bless the food and I'm going to pray out loud. Maybe not for everybody in the restaurant to hear, but actually the people around my table lord i ask you that you're blessed and whoever wants to listen in that's fine but i'm doing it for god not for the people if you hear what i'm saying because i'm thanking god for the food i'm not thanking for the people my prayer is not a preaching message so again for me this is not about foolishness lack of wisdom but also it's not making it out an excuse for not doing anything. Yeah, it's true. Because so many of us, I think, I believe, there's a little word called fear. Because I believe that I'm going to be rejected. And therefore I'm a little bit afraid that if I say, actually Jesus loves you or is something wrong, you know, you may find somebody coming next to you with a limp. And you know that actually God can heal that. And there you go, but what, Lord, if he does, you know, if I pray and nothing happens, that's going to make me stupid. And so therefore you don't do anything about that. How many of us have been there? Please, my hand's up there. My hand's up there. I've seen things and sort of said, Lord, you know, I know you can heal this situation, but I've done nothing with it. And you see, this is why I believe God's challenging me, and you're just listening into the challenge of God in my own life. That actually, son, I don't want you to be hypocritical here. I want you to live my message. The power of God is still the same today as it was in the book of Acts. Still the same. And on, on Wednesday, I was reading from Acts chapter 19 when um, Paul went to the church in Ephesus. 
it's quite interesting because it says that there was 12 disciples that Paul spoke to at the beginning of his time in Ephesus. They, those were the 12 men who were baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. 12. And then look what happened in the church of Ephesus out of those 12 people. Now, obviously, we know what happened with the 12 disciples, 11 disciples, and then Matthias came in um, to be number 12. But in Ephesus, Paul went and those 12 disciples who got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they turned a whole city upside down. What can happen with the group of people who are here? You may be part of a large church. You may be part of our church here that is on the move. It's advancing and it's going to grow because anything healthy in my book grows. Again, for me, I'm not about numbers. I'm about the kingdom of God. And if people get saved here and go somewhere else to a different church, I'm happy with that. And please, I am because for me, this is about the kingdom of God. This is not about you know kingdom faith uh, and we want to be 10,000 people like Hillsong praise God for Hillsongs of this world but God has called us to be part of the church and whether it is because you know we will be no compromise we'll speak the word you know we will continue to do what God's asking us to do in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 it talks about being not to be ashamed and this is about Paul talking to Timothy uh, yeah Paul talking to Timothy do not be ashamed of what God's given to you just close your eyes please I know this this and words that have been used today are quite strong words betrayal ashamed fear of God but you you know your own journey at this moment in time looking around I know that I'm speaking to the majority of Christians in this room people who have said yes to Jesus in one way during their life only you know where you are at this moment in time I started off by talking about Revelation 2 and 3 talking about the church have you lost your first love Have you lost that passion for him? It's like, are you waking up in the morning or when you're having your time with the Lord and you can't wait because you know that he's going to speak to you. You've got your journal. And you can't wait for him to dictate to you what you put in your journal. I've got my journal here. And a lot of the things that I have spoken to you this morning are already in my journal over the last days and weeks 
Why? Because I'm wanting to be a person who's listening to what God's saying. Because I don't want to lose my first love. Again, if this is, you know, you realize, oh, actually, there's, a, there's an edge that's missing in my life. Father, I just ask you that you'll help me to be restored to that first love. And then moving through those churches, it's like if, if there's any other teaching that you've been party to and, and you've been tempted to go in a particular direction that you know, oh, it doesn't sound quite right it doesn't seem to line up with the word of God and just Lord ask the Lord to give you wisdom so that you can live truly the gospel message again you need to use your own words because I can't pray these things for you for the amazing love that he has for you. Because his motive in coming to die on that cross was love. So from the depths of your heart, just say, Father, I love you. I thank you that I was called and chosen by you before the creation of the world. I was called with, for a purpose. I was called to make you know. And then again, this is for those who want to, to pray this that you will truly be a witness of the truth of the gospel message in its entirety. That, Lord, I'm, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of what it says in this Bible. I'm not ashamed of the message of the cross. I'm not ashamed of you being the only way to salvation. I'm not ashamed of talking about the narrow way, living for your purposes, making those right choices to follow in your steps. And Lord, I just submit all my own opinions to you, my own thoughts. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to enable every thought to be subject to the Word of God, to the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of you, Jesus. I'm not ashamed of your message. And Lord, I just thank you. As we make, and each one of you has to speak to the Lord for yourself, you have to make these decisions for yourself. But Lord, if 
I'm going to be a witness. Lord, I want to be a witness for the truth. I want to be a true witness for who you are. So, Father, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to enable me to walk step by step with you along the narrow road. Lord, I ask you that my relationship with you will grow stronger and stronger. And there will be that reverential fear because it is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, wisdom is doing what you're saying because you're amazing. And Father, I ask you that the spirit of the fear of God will return in my life to a greater way than ever before. Upon this church, Kingdom Faith London, and upon the church in this nation, in Belgium and beyond. Lord, we want to see your church, your people, being a light, a city set on a hill that is not hidden. We want to see a church that proclaims the truth and we're witnesses of that truth. And Lord, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, that you will give us our own personal stories. Lord, as we begin to witness the truth of who you are, we will be people who hear what you say. We will see what you do in the lives of people. And Father, we will be able to glorify your name because of what you do in the lives of people through your enabling in us. Father, we know for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father, I ask you for that expression of your gospel to be proclaimed clearly in and through each one of us.